In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We will study tonight the second part from chapter 17, from the Gospel of St. Luke, starting from verse 20 to the end of the chapter, which is verse 37. Verse 20. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Some believed that this question that was asked by the Pharisees intended to mock Christ. Others thought this question with, was with the intention to tempt him. But perhaps there were different groups of people. Maybe there were some who were really looking for the coming of the Messiah and coming of his kingdom. And their question may imply some impatience when the Messiah will come and establish his kingdom. And maybe some rejected the claim that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. And this question is just kind of insulting him. Maybe others were looking for sign from heaven to show that Jesus of Nazareth is the promised Messiah. But regardless what was the intention behind this question, the answer of the Lord Jesus Christ replied to all these assumptions or suggestions. They were told that when the kingdom of the Messiah comes, it will not come in conjunction with any observation of outward things. It will not come with observation with any outward thing. According to St. John Cassian, he said, the only thing that can be within us is the knowledge or ignorance of the truth the affection for righteousness or sin, by which we prepare our hearts to be a kingdom of Christ or the devil. So if we have affection for the truth and we have the knowledge of the truth, then my heart is the kingdom of God. The Lord said in verse 22, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. St. Cyril of Alexandria made a comment on verse 21. He said, the kingdom of God rests within you, and your heart to receive it. It rests within you and your hearts to receive the kingdom. 
For every man who is justified by faith and the grace of God and adorn it with virtues may obtain the kingdom of heaven. So if you are justified by faith and by the grace of God and adorn it by the virtue and fruit of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is within you. Sincere said, Jesus says, don't ask about the times in which the season of the kingdom of heaven will again arise and come. Rather, be eager that you may be found worthy of it. So, don't ask when the kingdom will come, but rather, be eager to be worthy of the kingdom when it comes. Knowing the times will not benefit you, but being ready for the coming of the kingdom, this is what will benefit you. Some commentators thought that Jesus meant to tell them that the kingdom was right in their midst, because the king, Jesus Christ, was among them. So when he told them the kingdom of God is within you, as if he's saying, I am the king, I am in your midst, then the kingdom is here. Verse 22. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here, or look there, don't go after them or follow them. So now after the Pharisees got their answer, the Lord did not allow the point of their question to be lost. That's why he turned to his disciples in order to give them instructions regarding the question that was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come. He wants to prepare them for all that can cause people grief so they will be ready and endure patiently. That's why he told them the days will come when you will desire to see one of the day of the Son of Man. As if the Lord is telling them, you will see days of difficulty, days of hardship, weary years of conflict that are waiting for you. And you will often wish to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. You will desire to be carried forward to the day of the final victory. Because when the Lord Jesus Christ ascended to heaven and left the earth, the days after his ascension, they faced tribulation, persecution, and until now, the church is suffering. And Satan also would know how to take advantage of that longing, longing to see 
one of the days of the Son of Man. That's why many will appear and claim to be the Messiah. The Messiah, Jesus, returned. That's why he told them, if they told you, look, he is here or there, don't believe it. Look here or look there, don't go after them or follow them. So it's essential that these false messiah do not deceive us. Josephus, the Jewish historian, recorded to us that many false Christs appeared at the time of Christ after his ascension, attempting to lead the people away. But the Lord here warned us not to go after them or follow them. Rather, instead we should completely disregard them. Verse 24. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. So his coming will be like the lightning, meaning sudden, as the lightning lightens at one end of the heaven and shines to the other, this done at once, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And there is no possibility to mistake his coming. It will be in front of everybody. Verse 25, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So after he mentioned his glory, how he comes in shining like the lightning, immediately he mentioned his passion. That's why he said, but first he must suffer. Passion must come before the glorious lightning-like advent or coming. So Jesus is preparing his disciples for this. If he is to come again with glory, then he must suffer and carry our shame. He must be persecuted, forsaken by the generation that was living back then. Sometimes we, the followers of Christ, we don't want to carry the cross. We want to go straight to the kingdom of God. We want to be with him on the Mount of Transfiguration, but not to Golgotha or Gethsemane. But the Lord now is telling us the kingdom of God could not come until the king went to the cross. So Jesus is coming again in his glory because he came first in humility and submission unto death. In the same word, we must suffer with him to be glorified with him. Verse 26, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. The eight they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. 
and the flood came and destroyed them all. That's the first example. And he gave them another example. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. I want you to notice all these activities are not sinful. And we do all these activities. So the Lord here is not referring even to sinful life, but just to be too busy to pay attention to the coming of the Messiah. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed? So, the Lord compared the foolishness of the generation he should come to destroy in, in his second coming to the foolishness of the people lived during the time of Noah and the time of Lot, the time of the flood, time of Noah. They were completely unchanged by the warning which Noah gave them while building the ark. He built the ark in 120 years. And he was warning them for 120 years that there will be flood, will drown the whole uh, inhabited world. They did not pay attention. They went on as usual, following their ordinary occupation, buying, selling, planting, building, pursuing their pleasures, both lawful and unlawful, in great security. And they will argue. Yesterday the sun rose, and the same happened so many yesterdays. Tomorrow the sun will rise again. Nothing changed. Why should I be concerned? Then what will happen? The flood came suddenly, like the coming of the Son of Man, and destroyed them all. And the Lord gave them another comparison. The destruction that came upon Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Lot, which happened in the morning, as we read in Genesis chapter 19, from verse 15 to 25. The day before the destruction of Sodom, seemed much like any other day to the men of Sodom. They were in perfect security. And like in the time of Noah and in the time of Lot, when flood and fire came and destroyed them with their merciless work, with their uh, bad life, in the same way, the day of the second coming of the Messiah, with its bloody and fiery dawn, will come on the people who are not prepared and not ready for his coming and destroy them. So the Lord, with this striking description, described the attitude of the people 
must always maintain. We need to be ready if we want to be his servant. And we need actually to forsake the things of the world. Yes, we live in the world, but the world doesn't live in us. We use the world, but the world does not use us. Then the Lord explained in details what our attitude should be if we are ready on that day. He told us, in that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. If the person is ready for the coming of the Lord, he will not care about his goods, but he will say to the Lord, here I am, O Lord, I am ready to go with you to the heavenly kingdom. But if his life is full of love of money, riches of the world, he will not think that this is the coming of the Lord. Then he will descend from the house top, goes to his house to take his goods, because his heart is not in heaven, his heart is still in his house where his goods are. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. So the servant of the Lord must be ready to abandon all earthy, earthly goods at the coming of the Lord. Only those who are sitting freely, freely from the love of money, they are not attached to the love of money. When the Lord comes suddenly, they will be able to meet the bridegroom because there is no attachment at all. They will be able to go and meet the bridegroom. So our heart must not be on what in the house, but on what is in heaven. In that day, it is well to abandon all earthly positions, wherefore he calls to our remembrance the example of Lot's wife when he said, remember Lot's wife. After she left, her heart still was in Sodom. So, she turned back. And, and the story of Lot's wife was a familiar story to the Jews. And it is a warning about the danger of double service. God and the world. She wants to follow God and the world at the same time. And how likely the one who attempt to combine serving God and serving the world together he will perish miserably. After she left Sodom, she disobeyed God and looked back on Sodom, most probably with regret and perhaps with longing, or she started taking few steps back towards Sodom, and she turned it into a pillar of salt, while Lot and the two daughters escaped the judgment. So the Lord here 
is warning us not to look back at the perishing world, but to set our eyes on the deliverance that God set before us. St. Augustine said, it can be suitably taken in a spiritual sense. In all our trials, each one must take care not to be overcome or to come down from a spiritual height, housetop, to a carnal life. He who had progressed, like now he is in the field, should not look back by turning toward the past or failing to reach out to the future. This is true of every trial. How much more this is true for that final tribulation which is to come on the world. Verse 33, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. So, verse 33 is telling us, as great as the danger will be, People should not seek to save their lives by violating their conscience. Because if they do this, they shall surely die and lose their souls. But if they should lose their souls for Jesus' sake, they shall be repaid with life everlasting. Like if they accepted persecution and martyrdom, they will receive the crown of life. But if they want to save their life by denying Christ, then they will lose their life. The most probable way of preserving them now is to be always ready to give them up. Ready to give even my soul up to to die for Christ. And as a distinct providence, shall then watch over us and put the difference between us and others, between those who are ready and those who are uh, not ready, those who are willing to lose their souls for Christ and those who are not willing. That's why the Lord said in verse 34, I tell you in that night, there will be two men in one bed, One is ready, the one will be taken, and the other will be left. And here just, I wanna stop, because the English translation is not accurate. If you look at the Coptic, if Ishobi and Jesnaf, Isnaf means two, he did not say men or women. في العربي بيقول يكون اثنان على فراش واحد. ما قالش رجلان, اثنين. Two persons. Why I'm saying this? Because unfortunately, those who support same-sex marriage, they misinterpreted this verse and say the Bible says two men in one bed. This is in support of same-sex marriage. But this is only in the English. The Greek, original Greek language, by which the Bible was written, the Arabic and the Coptic doesn't have men or women, just two persons, 
two persons. And here not about marriage or about homosexuality. It's here just the Lord said one ready and the other is ready. And as I will explain, the word debate here is used symbolically to refer to the rich people. Bed means rest. They are rich. They, they live in, in rest. Two women uh, will be grinding together. Uh, the one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. So, at the day of judgment, humanity will be divided into two groups. One group destined for eternal life and other destined for eternal judgment. As the Lord explained in Matthew 25, they will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The, the word taken mean saved here. Like those who were taken in the ark and were saved, or those who were taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah, like Lot and his daughters, and will be saved. But also, this verse may refer to the rapture that will happen at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the best passages about the rapture is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Lord said, uh, St. Paul explained to us what will happen. In verse 15 he said, we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Let's assume that the Lord comes right now. We did not die, we're still alive. So who will meet Christ first? Is it us who are alive or those who departed? St. Paul said no. Those who will be alive will not precede those who are asleep. What will happen? The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So the dead will rise and come with Christ on the cloud. Then we who are alive and ready and remain shall be caught up together with them and the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That is the rapture at the last trumpet, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who will remain alive, then they will be turned into the glorious body, as St. Paul explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in a moment, in a twinkling of eye, and they will be caught up to meet the Lord on the cloud. Then what Luke mentioned in, in Luke chapter 17, he's speaking maybe two persons will be in, in, 
in, in sleeping in one bed. One of them is ready, the other is not ready. So one of them will be taken and the other will not. Two will be grinding. So at the coming of the Lord, one is ready. She will be taken to meet the Lord on the cloud and the other not. Two in the field, one will be taken and the other will be left. Here the Lord said in the, in the beginning, verse 34, I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed and one will be taken and the other will be left. So, the Lord actually want to assure us that the concern about the salvation of the soul is usually a hidden matter. And no one knows about it except God and the soul itself. I tell you. And he presented three kinds of people. Two in one bed, two grinding together, two in the field. St. Ambrose comments about the word night, because the Lord said, I tell you, in that night. So St. Ambrose said, he rightly say night, for the Antichrist, hour is the hour of darkness. This will be at the end of the ages, at the end of the days, the Antichrist is ruling. Because he pours a dark cloud over the mind of men while he declares himself to be Christ. Night also is a symbol of tribulation. So what the symbolism of three type or three kind of people? Two in one bed, St. Cyril of Alexandria says, it donates the rich or symbolizes the rich who repose themselves in worldly pleasure for a bed is a sign of rest. So the Lord is saying, not all rich are wicked. One is faithful, will be caught up or taken, and the other is unfaithful, will be left. Then the second time, two grinding together. St. Cyril said, this is the poor and oppressed. And again, not all poor and oppressed are good. Some carried the burden of poverty courageously, and living a life of thanksgiving, they will be taken. Others, not. They will be left. The good will be taken and the unfaithful will be left. The third kind, two in the field, represent, according to St. Augustine, those who labor in the field of the ministry, in the church, in the field of God. So, the same principle. Some servants are faithful and will be taken. Others are not faithful, although they are servant in the church and will not be taken. Verse 37, which is the last verse. And they answered and said to him, Where this will happen? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So the Lord declined to answer this question, where Lord? So 
the disciples until now were unable to grasp the full meaning of the words that the Lord spoke about his second coming. But the Lord told them, wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. This difficult statement, so what does it mean? Most of the commentators, ancient and modern, said the body refers to Christ. An eagle referred to the saints, to the believers. And St. Cyril of Alexandria agrees with this interpretation. St. Cyril of Alexandria said, as when a dead body is thrown away, all the birds which feed on human flesh flock to it, so when the Son of Man will come, all eagles, that is the saints, shall haste to meet him, that is the rapture, they will meet him on the cloud. St. Ambrosius, the souls of the righteous are compared with eagles because they seek the heights, leave the depth behind, and reportedly reach a great age. David also says to his soul, your youth will be renewed like that of an eagle. St. Ambrose believes that the eagles around the body are the Marys, Mary of Cleopas, Mary Magdalene, Mary Mother of the Lord, when they assembled uh, with the apostles around the tomb of the Lord, around the body of Jesus. He also says that the body is the church in which we are renewed in the spirit like eagle through the grace of baptism. And the weaknesses of old age are restored for ages of a new life. Renew your spiritual age like eagles. And the body is the body of Christ. He said, my body is food indeed. And around this body, the eagles come with the wings of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. These eagles are those who believe that Jesus has come in the flesh. Some says the, eagle, the body is Christ and the eagles are the believers who will be saved through his sacrifice and nourished by his body, the body of the resurrected Christ. But there is another interpretation. Some commentators said the Lord by the body referring to Jerusalem and its destruction. So the body refers to the corrupt city Jerusalem and the eagles are the ministers of God's punishment, meaning the Roman armies, Titus and all his soldiers who actually uh, surrounded the, the city like the birds of prey. Other commentators regard the sentence altogether parallel to the preceding verse, expressing the metaphor that was described two men or two people, two persons in one bed, two women grinding, or two persons in the field. So all men now will be assembled to one place 
the place of judgment because he will judge both the righteous and the wicked. So all of us will be assembled together. So Christ is the body and all of us are the eagles who will assemble together and stand before the judgment seat. Seat. So the eagle here gather around the body. So the body is Christ and the eagles are the men to be judged. This concludes chapter 17 from the Gospel of St. Luke. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.